Welcome to the Best Science Medicine Podcast, BS without the BS. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the 535th episode of the Best Science Medicine Podcast. My name is James McCormack, and I'm a professor with the Faculty of Pharmaceutical Sciences at the University of British Columbia. I'm Mike Allen. I'm a family doctor and the director of practice support at the College of Family Physicians of Canada. I'm also an adjunct professor at the University of Alberta. And we are not going to talk about statins today, Mike. <laughs> You wish that was the case, James, because out of our, what have we got now? Seven podcasts? How many are we at now? Uh, three. Three. Yeah. Okay. Out of the three, two of them, as Meatloaf says, two out of three ain't bad. Yeah. Two out of the three have been on stats. Yeah. So yeah. this being our fourth, why not bring it back? Yeah. <laughs> so in case you want to, we're actually not going to, we're going to talk about something that is, is, there's a nuance to it. We're not going to talk about whether they actually do anything positively we're going to talk about whether or not they do anything negatively and what to do about it and we're basically going to focus on muscle aches and statins because you may have heard it you may have maybe hearing it first some people believe that these drugs cause uh, muscle aches and so we did it yeah, yeah you, uh, there's a, just uh, recently released in uh, february 21st uh, tools of practice on this so we're going to go over that right and this has uh, three authors yeah uh, jamie falk Yep. Uh, you may know him, James. Um, uh, we had him just on the podcast uh, last the last one, I think. Yeah, he seems uh, he seems like a nice guy. I don't know. I, 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 you know, I'm all bets are off. Yeah, <laughs> Allison Page, who, who is lovely, out, who is lovely, yes, who is lovely, and also out in Winterpeg. Yeah, and then little old me. Uh, again, and again, <laughs> the jury is don't up. know him well. Don't yeah, know him no. well. Yeah. Heard bad things. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've heard things. So the, the yeah. So the title of this is uh, "Wouldn't bet on it." What is the risk of muscle symptoms on statins? So what what was the question you guys were trying to answer? So the question is, of course, we hear this all the time. What are the effects of statins? Like, will this make my my muscles ache or that kind of mm-hmm. thing? We left it more broad than that. Just really any muscle symptom, and and it it. Now, I didn't see anything reported, but it could have included an intense strengthening of muscles. Yes. Yeah, you never it know. Could, that, yeah, that I, could you know, have... It's impressive that you guys were open to the possibility. Yes, that we were open to that. And interestingly, as you know, statins have a relatively robust amount of evidence. Yeah. Um, and if you're still doubting whether they work in whatever, primary, secondary, whatever, mm-hmm. Um, I suggest you take a look at the 150 to 200 or so thousand people yeah, yeah. studied. It's, yeah. It really is one of the most robust areas of study. And yeah. we've joked before that we don't need any more research. No. And the, the, the debate may be on the the magnitude of the effect, but even that's we're pretty comfortable. Oh my goodness! Yeah, yeah. like if you if we don't know the magnitude of the effect of anything within like with a hundred percent certainty, but this has a Pretty narrow confidence. No, exactly. But we're not, we're not, as you mentioned, we're not even, we're not even going. What we're going to talk about today is uh, the evidence around uh, muscle aches, muscle weakness, all sorts of symptoms that can come or are associated with statins in people's minds. And uh, we're going to look at it from a bunch of different ways. And one of the primary focuses will be if you're getting it, is it due to the statins? Because as you know, James, and again, this will, thank God, I hope most of you are sitting down. Muscles are occasionally sore at the best of times. No, and you don't yeah. need to, you don't need to be on a statin. 
No, so, yeah, no, exactly. And, and that's, and it is one of the fundamental issues around medicine is how do you tease out a common thing from, uh, and, and, and how do you call it, uh, tease out cause and effect? And so we're going to try and, we'll probably talk a little bit about that, but first of all, we've got to go over the evidence. Right. And it, when I present this, some people say, well, did they canvas the patients? Did they ask them if they had these? Because we've talked a lot mm -hmm. about before, is that, is that actually drawing out stuff? And I'm going to try and address some of that. One of the other ways to look at it is excluding the idea of, of actually going out and asking people specifically, also seeing did they drop out because yeah. they were sore. So that that's kind of the background way to, if if that's higher or lower, then that is a serious yeah, signal. Absolutely. But yeah, yeah. what we decided to do, because there's so much literature on this question, that we would limit to the last five years looking at systematic reviews. Even limiting to the last five years, there were seven systematic reviews. Now, as, as you know, systematic reviews are being churned out for certain things all the time. If, if oh, yeah. I think there are, there's a handful of PCSK9 inhibitors and there's like over 20 systematic reviews. So this is, this is one of those things that there's a fair amount we thought we'd limit to the last five years, which I think is reasonable, obviously, because yeah. we did it. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it had uh, 11 to 135 RCTs in the systematic reviews. And between, and that's because the smaller ones were subgroups of like mm -hmm. older patients. And then it had 18,000 people in it all the way up to 193,000. Because of the diversity of information, we decided to focus on the cholesterol trialists who have all of the clinical trials. They have access to individual patient data, which is uh, a little bit better information than what most of us have access to. Yeah. So they're, they're actually, and they covet that. They don't really let too many other people. No, and, and, that, and that's a big criticism. And, it, and it's, oh. it's, it's, an, it's an unfortunate thing because, you know, there's two reasons that people, you know, would, would not let people look at it. And neither of them are any good. Um, well, the, I'll, be careful because we didn't let too many people look at our our data on Dr. Oz. Right? No, but so, we no, but we did. We when when people requested we it, it, we so. did, and and it and it went it went all to hell in to hell in a handbasket, and and it, and Tina Tina cried a lot. But um, uh, well, she, I think if I'm remembering correctly, that was mostly you. Uh, yes, I know, but I I, I I put it on Tina. You project, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So uh, it, and it's too bad because I think you know the it really should be, you know. Other, it'd be great if someone else was able to look at it. Cause then, cause, and if I was those guys, I would let people do it because it would get rid of that argument. Yeah. It would get rid of the argument that you're hiding something and yeah. that you're, yeah, all of that stuff. But I, you and I probably are similar. I don't really think no. They're, no. they're creating something fraudulently no. or I, there, there's a whole bunch of very respected researchers in this yeah, crowd, exactly. but, but still it, it, it has, it, it is a, accusation or a complaint that's been lodged and and it's not i don't think it's going to be addressed because they no. do covet this data yeah. and i i get it because they want to be the ones it's a treasure trove oh, they want to be the ones Lord, to, yeah yeah it's it's worth a lot of money relatively yeah. speaking okay so this was this was 23 rcts with 154,664 patients so a lot mm -hmm. and followed for 4.3 years and they analyze data specifically on muscle symptoms of any type. Um, and what they found was that 
if you looked at the whole four point um, three years, muscle symptoms were found in twenty seven point one percent on a statin versus twenty six point six percent on placebo. Given that they had one hundred and fifty thousand people, they found statistical significance for that point five of a percent difference. Mm -hmm. So James, you're probably going, holy cow, it's that high. It's I, that I, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's 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 a a nightmare. That's yeah, it's traumatizing for you, yeah. even though you're not on them. No. <laughs> okay. So then, what they found, which was which was more more interesting, honestly, was that if you teased out the first year, and these are always the things we want to think about: mm -hmm. are these effects front loaded, or are they are they can they come up anytime? And when you look at the first year. About 14% of people on placebo report some kind of muscle symptom worth noting. And 14, it goes up to 14.8% if they're on statins. So that is around a 1% absolute increase. Mm -hmm. And um, if you look at the next, the after the first year, so that remember it goes to 4.3, so the one year to 4.3 years, the numbers are 14.8 versus 15%. They're not statistically different or clinically different. Mm -hmm. I would argue that even the 27.5 versus 26.5 probably aren't clinically meaningful. But I think that first year, that 1% increase does signal something. And yeah. um, I, I think it's worth noting how infrequent it is. Um, first of all, that, that uh, only 15% uh, had it. And then in there, only one out of the 15 actually was due to statins. Yeah, and, and there's a very, very, very rarely discussion of the, the magnitude of the muscle symptoms or anything like that. Yeah, well, we'll hit on that a bit mm. with the idea of discontinuation. Yeah, but, like it, but in, because but obviously, it, if they're terrible. Yeah, but in, in yeah. this case, the, the four, these are, uh, this is just muscle symptoms, period. Period, yeah. yeah. Aches, pains, weakness, yeah. you name it. Um, so what about, uh, as with anything here, did other systematic reviews find something similar? Well, they did. The only difference was uh, they kind of teased out different subsets like myalgia, which included CK rise, et cetera, and, and they couldn't find a difference. They looked at uh, people over age 65, couldn't find uh, an effect. Now, remember, some of this, because now you're teasing out subgroups, what you're going to find is that you're not looking at 150,000 patients anymore. And it becomes more difficult to find um, statistical significance, mm -hmm. even if these small differences exist. And the intensity they didn't find uh, really mattered. And that was partly due to the fact that authors of all systematic reviews struggled whether to pull out um, simvastatin 80, which is no longer used. Hmm. And if you included simvastatin 80, then there was some intensity indication that it, higher intensities were worse. Um, but if you excluded it, because it's not even available anymore, you couldn't prescribe it, the effect actually dwindled to not being able to tell a difference between the, yeah. the high and low intensity. And, and, and it's a, but it's a great example of that's why sometimes when you do these things, you do sometimes have to go in and look and see you know, what part of it is potentially responsible for it. And if you say, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a drug that got pulled, right? Or, yeah. or, or, or yeah, a, a dose yeah. that got, a dose, a dose that yeah. Got pulled. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and if it, and it, you know, if it fact was, that was the main driver of it, it, it's legitimate 
to on the face of it, just remove it and see if it if it eliminates it. It doesn't solve the it doesn't answer the question perfectly because you're going in there and doing your own little subset tinkering. analysis, but you're yeah. tinkering. But it but it but these are all things that are legitimate to explore. Right. Yeah. In the systematic review, they found no difference in age group. Um, oh, sorry. In this systematic review, no difference in age group. And other ones, they looked at stat and type. They didn't see a difference. And then my favorite, which I know, always I know. has been a huge. Yeah. Huge issue for me is, is it lipophilic or hydrophilic, the statin? Yeah, so and, cru- it's, it's crucial. and, and, and which, It's which, crucial, yeah. Which one was beta 1 or beta 2? <laughs> which racemic isomer are we using again? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, no, I, uh, surprisingly, it didn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Who knows, it might have, but that is, yeah, that's just one of my pet peeves about yeah. us worrying about that kind of stuff. Um. Okay, so any muscle symptom, um, more versus less intense statin. So these guys looked at it, and um, this was this was not subgroup analysis, but actually studying. Oh, sorry, this was subgroup analysis mm-hmm. from the original systematic review that we mentioned, the cholesterol trialists, and they found in theirs that if you look at the highest potency versus the less potency, it was thirty six percent versus about thirty five percent. Statistically yeah. different, but very tiny difference, obviously, overall. Um, and so, like I said, some found a difference, some did not find a difference. What what some studies did, which is, again, they parceled it out so much that the statistics washed away, because it's so, you can see right now, it's 1% difference for mm-hmm. high intensity versus low intensity. So in these other systematic reviews, what they did is compare each individual statin at, like each individual statin group. So the intense group, the moderately intense group, and then the low-intensity group, they compared each of those to placebo. And as you can guess, James, the, the segregating of those off, did not, uh, did, uh, what it did is it eroded the, a chance to find mm-hmm. a statistical difference. And so that's why when we were saying earlier that we couldn't find a difference yeah. um, in some systematic reviews. If you, if you keep all the data together and just compare low versus high, there's about a 1% difference. And all of this makes me more intense, period. And I have to <laughs> relax. You have to. Yeah, you have to take deep breaths. Yeah. And so the the question of what about like more serious things like rhabdo? Well, rhabdo was too infrequent to actually mm-hmm. tease out. And even with 154,000 people, it's it's pretty amazing. But if you, if you set the bar at creatinine kinase going up by 10 or more mm-hmm. with muscle symptoms, what you get is about uh, 0.077% versus 0.044%. So I know it's, I know those numbers are very low, but what you're talking about is about a 0.03% increase, which is about one in 3000 or so. So, you know, these are, they're, they're happening infrequently. And this is why the first lipid guidelines, we really struggled. Should you be testing for this? Should you be testing CK rises? Because you're going to pick up a lot of rises. The average patient goes up 2% um, in their creatinine kinase. So some are going to go up 10%. And if they were near the border, they're just going to cross over into the, you know, slightly above the upper limit of normal. Or you catch them on a day they've been running and exercising. And boy, oh boy, it becomes a, a nightmare. Yeah. So, and, and so one, and, and as we talked about before, you know, one of the things that doesn't give it the severity, but you guys did look at whether you had to stop it or not. 
Right. So the, yeah, so we don't, there's not enough data. Like I said, there is something on myalgias, which is often called, mm -hmm. or myopathy, which is often called the creatinine kinase plus symptoms. And in that we did see that tiny difference, um, but worth, worth noting because it's actually there. Mm -hmm. And uh, in the biggest one, the other systematic reviews, again, two parceled off to actually show a difference. For rhabdo, no difference. But then when you look at what is the chance someone's going to discontinue with statin or discontinue, discontinue a statin for any adverse event, uh, this being probably the most common, and then discontinue for muscle symptoms specifically, there was no difference in any of the systematic reviews that examined it. And there were um, two that looked at discontinuing for muscle symptoms and three that looked at discontinuing for any adverse event. So unlikely there's a meaningful difference in discontinuation due to due to these symptoms, which is even if some of the trials were canvassing for muscle symptoms, it yeah. doesn't really matter. It turns out that the actual more severe cases are almost certainly minimal and not different statistically. Yeah. I mean, so the whole thing is incredibly underwhelming. Uh, yeah. You know, it, relatively it, it, speaking. But the, but the key question, I think, though, Mike, and, and I know I'm almost positive you'd agree with, is you will see people with muscle aches on a statin. So then there is another level of evidence that you can look at. Right, exactly. And this is one that we've talked about on the podcast oh, a lot. Many, yeah, yeah. And the idea in a dream world, we'd love to, you know, I think this medicine isn't working for me or it is. And, and they've been on it for a long time. It's potentially hazardous. For symptomatic things like muscle aches, we'd love to be able to, well, let's try you off it, on it, off it, mm. and do it in an ideal world, do it with a placebo control where you don't actually know whether you're on or off the medicine. Well, there are trials like that. We've, we've talked about them. They're called um, N of one trials mm -hmm. and you just switch people back and forth. And just to give you an example of what that might look like, you might, it's kind of like a crossover, but it goes on for a long time. So I put you on a statin for a month. Um, then I take you off the statin. I either give you a washout period of maybe another month and then put you on another drug and put you on a placebo or statin again and so on. And so you can end up with three cycles, four cycles where you would be on either one of the two drugs. And uh, depending on how long they plan these out, it could be something even like placebo, placebo, statin, statin, you know, like, like it can mm -hmm. really be any combination and they do these cycles to people and then kind of check out where they are. Often they will be, um, uh, it'll be strategized so that you're on one or the other and if whatever you got in the first round, you get on the second round. Or, or you get the opposite on the second round. Yeah. But the next round that comes, it'll be again uh, shuffled and you don't yeah, know. Yeah, so yeah. You won't... yeah, so you can you can actually control the, the, the order somewhat but still keep it, it you know, placebo-controlled. Yeah, and randomized, yeah. So yeah, and, and randomized, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So th this is a great way to to sort out, is this drug working for symptoms for this individual patient? And we've seen this done for statins. We've seen it done for um, uh, treating pain conditions, that kind of thing. But one of the biggest places it's found a home is here. And there are three. These are expensive trials to run um, mm -hmm. because you're following someone so long. So there are three N of one studies. The first one that was ever done, published in Annals of Internal Medicine, was a mere eight patients. Mm -hmm. And they've grown over time uh, to, I think, 100 and then 200 most recently in BMJ and New England Journal. And in these, 
what they do is, as mentioned, three to four cycles, anywhere from three to eight weeks on each of either a statin, a placebo, or what's called a nocebo. But the simple way of thinking about it is you're just getting nothing. You're not mm-hmm. getting a pill. You're not, you're not getting anything. And that's well, to that, tease I, 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 Although I wouldn't call that a nocebo. They, 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 they do in this one study, and it turns out really? they just gave. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Because no pill, you, you, you have to be giving a placebo to get nocebo. Well, they didn't. They 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 let you know that you knew you weren't getting anything during this oh, stage. Okay, yeah. yeah. Well, and, and, I, and I'm pretty sure they could figure it out because I'm not taking a pill. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. So anyway, keep going. Um, so the muscle symptom scores were um, for this. What they looked at is uh, muscle symptom scores, and what they found is versus placebo, um, there was no difference in the muscle symptom scores. And remember, it should be clear, I didn't probably mention it. These are patients who said, I cannot tolerate a statin because of what it does to my muscles. Right, yeah. So these are patients who say, absolutely. And they've often had two, three more trials of statins before they get in these. So they're randomized um, to the um, statin versus placebo. There was no difference in those. They can't tell a difference. But when they're compared to the no pill, when they know they're they're not um, getting a statin, then the differences start to appear, and they get they score themselves sixteen out of a hundred for pain versus eight out of a hundred for pain. So it just shows that it's more than knowing that you're on it. When you can't tell whether you're on it with mm-hmm. the placebo group, there's no difference. Um, and if you look at enough numbers, there's there's subtle differences numerically, like kind of a score of, and I can't remember off the top of my head, but like a 14 versus a 13.5 mm-hmm. or something. Yeah. But when you give people the knowledge that, no, this one, this, you know, four weeks, you're not actually taking a statin for sure, then they can go, oh, yeah, no, the statin did make me worse. Yeah. No, and, so and, and it's. And, 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 and go ahead. Oh, no, I was just say almost, you know, every clinician has done this type of thing. You said, oh, mm-hmm. you know, let's check to see if you're getting this, if this side effect is caused by this, we'll stop it. And if it comes back, if it goes away, then, and then we start it, it comes back. And we do this all the time clinically. And, and this is just, is, is making it, uh, uh, g- uh giving more vigor, uh, rig- vigor, rigor to the process of, of trying to establish is, is it, is it cause and effect? And I think, you know, when you look at this sort of stuff, you kind of go, and, and, and it's really important. These are people who have the symptoms. And yeah, they absolutely have said they yeah. can't tolerate stents. So, you know, this is, it's, it's tricky because in, in practice, you can't actually do a real N of 1 study, certainly not easily. Well, and you, can't, you, can't means, do a, you can't do a placebo control. You can do N of 1s. Yeah. yeah, you can't do a real N of 1 study. Yeah. You can do an N of 1 study for a person, but you're doing it with them knowing they're not taking yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. And as this has demonstrated it will not tease out the fact that patients who say they're intolerant may be intolerant to anything that they believe to be a stack. But, but it's, it's useful to know that even, uh, you know, you may not be able to set up a uh, placebo-controlled end of one trial. It's still legitimate to, to try statin and to tell a patient, here's a statin. We don't know if it's causing mun- muscle symptoms. We think there is a 1% chance that people can have muscle aches, but you can do the statins versus no pill. And even though the, the data that you're showing does suggest that there is a 
uh, a bit of a difference, you might be able to tease out a fair number of people who literally don't have pain on the on the no pill or vice versa still have pain and it can inform you certainly a fair amount yeah for sure and and in our guideline coming up there'll be a section on this like what are the success of people restarting a statin mm-hmm. after intolerance this group this subgroup in the studies the n of one studies are a little bit different because they've they've tried multiple statins and said they can't yeah. so this is the this is the patient in your depression, you know, in depression, for example, who's had multiple episodes of depression and, and there the chance of recurrence for them is higher and all this stuff. So this is the patients who declared themselves as highly likely intolerant, but yeah. even among them, there's a chance, as you said, they can tolerate something, especially if they, you know, that if you do the, the cycle, but that's the best we can do. We, in a perfect world, I would love to be able to do, um, I'd love to be able to do a placebo it, it, um, it is doable. I mean, you, and I'm going to get killed by this comment. I mean, one that could be set up, and I've done it one time. It wasn't for statins versus placebo, but it, it but it is. It's it, it requires a lot of a lot of work to set up. Oh, and imagine it for sleeping pills, right? Because we know a lot of the sleeping pill effectiveness is just the idea of I'm giving you a pill. For oh sleep. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, so, it is like doable, it, it, but yeah, yeah, it would be so but, good. But, for but so what many we things. what we can comfortably say though is well, well actually we're gonna we're gonna get to that in a minute but what so do you want to talk about the context or no yeah so we've talked a little bit about that ck goes mm-hmm. up we've talked about um events like uh, myopathy and rhabdomyolysis but the 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 um what needs to be said here is if you look at observational data the best guess is statins are increasing rhabdo by about two to three out of a hundred thousand patient years so obviously that's okay yeah. that's pretty infrequent but best estimates are probably somewhere in that range and then one of the peer reviewers because i of course uh, dodged this bullet on the first draft um, one of the peer reviewers said no no no. i'd like to hear more about what i should do so uh we'll have that coming out in our guideline uh updates uh in the near future but until then basically guidelines say that in patients with non-severe muscle symptoms offer a retrial of the same or a lower intensity statin. And the monitoring of CK is not generally encouraged, um, but you obviously you check in uh, patients with symptoms or those you consider at high risk. Let's say they've had it before. Um, Yeah. yeah. And and, uh, so I would say if they've got severe symptoms, um, yeah, I think, I mean, I'm not sure what else, you know, if they've had if they've had rhabdo in the past, or oh yeah, well certainly yeah. anything like that. But even a CK, yeah, a, a considerable CK rise yeah. and stuff. And yeah. I was saying to a colleague the other day, the irony here is that we talk about them as one in a ten thousand for the CK rise, or one in three thousand. But the, but the fact is, is I've I've actually seen that in my practice. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, and I didn't. I obviously didn't have a panel of ten thousand patients. I. I like myself too much for that size panel. Yeah, Boy, yeah. that would be. Um, but it's, it, yeah, it's a, um, these things do happen. Oh, absolutely. So we have yeah. to be aware no, no, of exactly. that. Yeah. So then uh, why don't you just give the bottom line and then we can, because uh, uh, people are already getting muscle pain just listening to us. Oh, yeah. They're, and Well, headaches really is what oh, yeah, we caused yeah. here. So, um, and, and the whole thing causes headaches. But statins increase the risk of muscle symptoms. That includes pain, cramps, and weakness. Mm-hmm. In the first year, primarily, 
And it goes from 14% for those on placebo up to 14.8, which is about a 1% increase. And then after the year, it's about the same. So if you if you have a patient coming in and saying, you know, I'm I'm sore, only about one in 15 of those patients is it, could we confidently say it's due to statins? Now, when I say confidently say, yeah. I don't mean for that one patient in front of you, you will have... We will have no idea, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Only clinical clinical trials only tell us there's an increased risk there, but they don't tell us who had it, um, yeah. unfortunately. So this is that's exactly why James was suggesting the idea is stop, start again, stop, start again, try, try lower dose. All of those, all of those things are lower intensity. And we mentioned already the um, muscle symptoms with a CK rise of ten times normal occurs because of statins occurs in about one in 3000 patients. And and I think, and I think it's a legitimate thing to say that, and and we do this all the time with this. It's legitimate to say, if you're going to talk to a person about a statins, about statins, and you're going to present the benefit, you should mention this and that, you know, people say, well, if I mention it, they're going to get it. Well, they're going to read about it because this is so, you know, they're going to go on the internet in, 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 in about a nanosecond, it's going to go statins cause muscle symptoms. And so you need to be proactive to say, yes, it is. We think it's this, but you get muscle symptoms for lots of things. We think it's about 1%. And if you do get them, let me know, and then we'll figure it out. I know. Like it's, you know, the the, the curse of statins, the curse for statins is that that symptom, the muscle symptom, Mm -hmm. which it is, it is associated with this. It's that it's so common. It's like saying, if you burp, let me know it could be due to this medicine. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like it's, it's uh, you know, uh, the only other cardiovascular drug where, I've, where you know, we've seen something like this. Uh, well, there's probably lots of other ones, but the, the one that comes to mind is ACE inhibitors. Where yeah, you go, ACE and cough because it's over cough, 10%. Yeah. But, yeah. And, and it, but the, the, the thing about that is it, the, the baseline is close to zero. You know, an ongoing yeah. tickle cough that never goes away. Yeah, most that's people, the problem. That's the, but so if they get it, it's even if it, it's 10%, which is not a dissimilar number from the number of people who get muscle symptoms on statins. But the difference mm-hmm. is, is it's 10 versus zero. Yeah, I know it's, it's the, the, you can pick, like, as you know, James, someone comes in and says, you just started them on, let's say, Ramaprel. Mm-hmm. They come back and say, I've, I, you know, I, I'm coughing just a little bit or whatever they, I always assume, okay, no, this is, this is the ACE inhibitor. Yeah, yeah. That's what's doing it because they, they, unless they have COPD or something, they weren't doing it before. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. In the case of muscle symptoms, you're like, ah, oh, damn, the, the chances that this is from the statin, it's improbable. Yeah. Yeah. It's highly improbable, but you can't, like you said, it's the, so, so the ACE inhibitor, the beauty there is um, that, you know, it's kind of like someone coming in on Orlistat and saying, I have a bit of diarrhea. Mm-hmm. I bet yeah, yeah, you do. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> because okay. you're, you're on something that for sure causes it. Um, where this, yeah, this is, it's tricky because the, the conditions are, the, the, the issue is so common. Yeah, no, uh, exactly. No, exactly. Yeah. Um, so I think that's good. No, great. Uh, you guys, uh, the three of you did a great job on this. And you know, I, I apologize sort of that we're having to do statins yet again, but it's, it's something you see all the time. And so we're just trying to give you the best available evidence. So yeah. uh, a couple of things. So uh, please, uh, uh, we, we would love to have you attend our uh, 
our annual course, uh, our, we called it Making Evidence Matter to Everybody course here in Vancouver. Uh, it's both uh, in live and it's uh, going to be streamed May 12 and May 13. It's at a lovely hotel downtown Vancouver. If you've ever wanted to come to Vancouver and never have, check that out. Uh, the early bird is coming. Uh, the early bird uh, price thing is, I think, available for another few weeks. Uh, but go to our site. It's called Heck Talks. Or just Google any of the stuff we do. Or even we'll leave links in the, the podcast so you can go see that. We'd love it if you do that. Uh, that's all I'm selling. What are you selling, Mike? Uh, I'm not. <laughs> I'm just uh, encouraging people uh, to look at the. It's not for me, but it's for mm-hmm. the College of Family Physicians of Canada. We have something called CFPC Learn. If you like this podcast, we have them on CFPC Learn, uh, including the um, premium ones, and you get credits for uh, listening, which is awesome as well. So if you're enjoying the podcast, there's also tons of other content on there. There's a podcast. Uh, by Jessica Kirkwood, who you're probably familiar with from the podcast. She's on there with me doing um, some called In the Clinic, where we look at cases. Uh, There's um, online learning stuff. There's videos. There's reviewing tools to practice. There's Jeopardy type talks. So there's all sorts of stuff on there um, for you. And we'll put links to that. So uh, I think we'll leave it at that. So thanks as always for listening. Talk to you later. (laughs) 